0: For tuning in to Mystic Witch. I'm your host, Blue. You can find out more about me at BlueJunetarot.com. Mystic Witch is a podcast about magic, divination, and all things supernatural. Today we have Brooklyn-based Extraordinary Tarot's founder, Callie Nelson, who is a lifelong intuitive gamer, entertainer, and thinker, currently applying for a graduate program in psychology to further study the healing potential of games. Callie presents tarot as a game to her clients that everyone can play, which in many European cultures is why tarot was originally developed and popularized extraordinary tarot has been hired by companies like warner brothers refinery 29 nike square and pinterest and today we're going to discuss reading at large events and common misconceptions about event readers how you doing hey blue i'm good thank you for having me on the show yes it's exciting to have you i'm so excited so what is the magical tool you use most often and how do you use it
1: Oh, it's, um, it's difficult to pick just one tool <laughs> because, uh, I do, I do practice some, some intentional magic and spell work, but I would say that the most consistent tool I've had has probably been my journal, like being able to have a journal and come, come back to it whenever you, you need it and just have that kind of sounding board, um, or maybe my guitar, like these kind of things that people don't really think are magical, but they, they are. And uh, I think, I think if you have something that you can go back to uh, whenever you, whenever you need it.
0: I love that answer because music is a great escape. So you can stop obsessing about things and journals are a great way to further obsess, but also organize your thoughts and kind of get, set on something instead of wavering on it. That's great. Totally. <laughs> so you were telling me about your concerns with the Lululemonification of tarot, which is hilarious. And that is quoting you directly, um, just to give you the credit. <laughs> do you think that we've hit that mark already in some ways? And and what do you mean by that?
1: <laughs> well, so growing up, my mom was a Hatha yoga teacher in the Midwest and this was before yoga became kind of mainstream. So yeah. I was teased a lot growing up for this and was called a hippie. I also lived in kind of a conservative area, like maybe, you know, in late nineties, early two thousands. I'm sure that yoga was probably pretty cool in Manhattan, uh, and the surrounding boroughs, but in Columbus, Ohio, it was not something that people knew about. And it ended up being kind of this uh, sacred tool for my mom and she studied it extensively and, and went to a school. And now there's so many schools you can get yoga certifications everywhere um, so it's kind of become, I would say, what I mean by the Lululemonific- lululemonification <laughs> of, of tarot is that tarot becomes, uh, th- there's like, um, there are a couple decks in particular that have made tarot uh, a part of uh, a mainstream aesthetic. Uh, and you can kind of see that with with lululemon and yoga pants. Um, becoming kind of part of um, part of an aesthetic choice that kind of led to people doing and consuming yoga more yeah what's the yoga pants of tarot yeah I don't really know because indie decks aren't don't really seem to be it um I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, my instinct is to draw some cards on it, but I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should. <laughs> I don't know. I, w- I would be okay with it if, if
0: you're all right with it. So two cards jumped out. I was only going to get one. It's so funny because I was thinking about... The first answer I have is ha- on how to avoid that happening is to continue providing uh, the resources and the materials that people need to understand the fundamentals, because I'm a big believer that if you understand the fundamentals, then you break the rules, you at least know why the rules were there. And the, the it's so funny, the first card that jumped out was the Hierophant. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whoa. So, yeah, like the traditions, keeping the traditional things um, alive Mm -hmm. and then the Ten of Cups. So continuing to maintain the harmony, uh, you know, and the the understanding and and the love for it, the respect, the value. I think that those are the ways that we can avoid it. But um, I think you
1: pulled cards on um, what the yoga pants of of tarot is. Yeah. So sometimes my cards will do this fun thing where they're like, actually, don't worry about that. What are you doing? Yes. So <laughs> I drew the Ace of Cups reverse, which is like, why are you following this, this thread that kind of makes you sad and displaced? Like that's <laughs> The feeling is that, oh, is, is there going to be something that comes in and displaces me from my craft? And then I I also drew the Ten of Wands reversed, which is kind of like, girl, let it go.
0: Yes! (laughs) Let's explain why some readers are still in the broom closet slash secretive about our work and, like, the judgments that people sometimes place on us. Let's talk about that.
1: That's a great point to bring up, and... I definitely was one of those readers for a long time and I'm not, I'm not sure if, if you were to, but I, I know a lot of, of readers who have had similar stories, especially those who grew up reading. Um, and I think there, there's another kind of layer if you're someone who's, whose family it's also tied into this. It becomes, oh, I don't want people thinking about me in in, um, in a condescending way. I don't want people to think about me in a condescending way because this isn't something that's um, socially or scientifically acceptable. And then if you're on kind of the religious spectrum, uh, sometimes it's not Accepted there either though yeah. in New York we don't really. This is why some people are in in the in the broom closet about their work is that if if they're out and about uh, reading then sometimes people will throw Bibles at them. I will, I, I got a Bible thrown at me once. So I br- I bring this up. <laughs> uh, so just certain certain things like that where you're reading for people in public and, you know, someone wants to tell you that, you know, you're doing the devil's work. I would say that moving into corporate space, there's kind of a, a level of professionalism that has kind of safeguarded me from, from things like having a Bible thrown in your face.
0: You mean uh, uh, <laughs> moving into the professional setting by that, you mean being hired by private Private parties, yes,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah there's um, usually less craziness, <laughs> and I, I think that also the more that y- you read for people too, you can probably speak to this. The less you're affected, like you can kind of just handle it a little bit more or brush it off. But I feel like when I when I first moved to New York and I was I was doing these events, I would get really kind of down on myself, like, why? Because it, it's, it didn't feel like, like, you're hustling when you're paying, when you're having people pay per reading. mm mm-hmm. And when people aren't showing up to the event, when you don't feel like people are receiving your work, or they say that your prices are too high, but there's this kind of feeling of, like, Oh, are people gonna like me? Are people going to like me? Oh, maybe people don't like me when they're like, when they, when people just kind of come by your, your table. But with a lot of these uh, events uh, where you have to pay to be there. So I guess, I guess maybe going back to, you know, why some people are still secretive about their work, I think there's a safety issue with it. Like a lot of people do not use their full name. and you know, I I definitely understand why, uh, because people can kind of f- find you or figure out who you are. You become um, kind of seen as someone who is a bit uh, like off. Like people, people have a lot of like misconceptions about yeah. what psychic work is, and people just kind of place their opinions. On psychic work, like you kind of just start to embody people's uh, opinions on on what it means to be psychic, what it means to be intuitive, yeah. what that means to them. And it's kind of, a, it's a loaded, it's a loaded profession. Like it's really, it can be really polarizing to people, <laughs> Um it is,
0: and there are so many misconceptions, um, and I think that's that's kind of, like, the interesting segue between the popularization of tarot in our modern times. Um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to debunk a lot of those misconceptions, um, so maybe people can relax a little bit, but, like, if they still want to be mad, they can die mad, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you were talking about, um, you were. You told me some crazy stuff about people telling you their secrets, and not that I'm a stranger to that, but I think you've had confessions, people just tend to confess things to you, yeah? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, people, I, yeah, I, I do feel like Tara is kind of a place where people can tell their secrets, especially... Especially if you need to see a therapist and maybe you don't have a therapist. Yes. I feel like tarot is kind of uh frontline's mental health. Um, and and sometimes people just unload.
0: So you keep resources available, like suicide hotlines and, you know, references to practitioners in that field, right?
1: Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: me too. I think it's an obligation because, like you said, it is very much a front line and, and it does come up often when someone does need that.
1: Yeah, definitely, Definitely. Yeah. So do you find
0: that people are commonly telling you really private um, kind of crazy
1: stories? Y- yes. And I think part of that is because I- I've read at bars a lot, as as a lot of readers do. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's hard because it's like how much – and this is something that I, I struggle with all the time as a reader and just as a person – how much do you share and how much do you keep to yourself also because I'm handling other people's stories here, even though this is anonymous and maybe they, they won't tune in. It's like how much the client confidentiality uh, with tarot is kind of blurry, but yeah, I've had people tell me about, um, you know, cheating infidelity um someone told me that the, and, and insinuated that they may have hurt someone um to the oh. point of killing them.
0: <gasps> e- <laughs> That's a lot to put on your reader. And I like that you brought up the confidentiality because I feel like that is a personal uh there is like a personal integrity to that. It's sort of like a, a rule of thumb for readers, I think, to just not repeat what's told to them in, in confidence.
1: Yeah. But I also think that it, it's good to talk to people about what you carry. If you can do that in a way that is respectful to to someone else's story. And um, uh, that's great, but there I feel like as as a reader, you collect all of these stories, and it's like, what do you do with them? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with all of these stories? You meet people from all different walks of life. Um, I think that there's a lot to be said about Tarot being a, a unifier of of people. it's It's something that that anyone, can play anyone can do anyone can get a reading uh, and people people tell you about uh, all the crazy and that's the thing too they're like oh you do something kind of crazy well I'm going to tell you about the crazy stuff in my life too because yes you can handle it you can handle this right and it's like yeah I can and I'm I'm totally I'm totally okay with it I really I'm really, I'm really okay with, with people going as, as deep as they want to go, go for it. Let's, let's play some cards and, you know, figure out how to move forward because, you know, that's really all we have control over in this life is how, how we personally move forward in our lives. So kind of bringing back that, that agency, it's like, yeah, you may have hurt someone, but you're, you know, you're, you're trying your best now. Um you know, you may and that's that's a thing everyone has done something that that they've regretted before, and I, I I think that it's important to try to make amends where you can um, or seek justice if you need to, which is is a theme for a lot of readings lately um, I I do hold space for people who are survivors, um, which is something that's personally very important to me. So if people want to go there, we can go there. That's fine. Um, you know, I, I think just meeting people wherever they're at, whatever they want to talk about, that's cool with me. And then we can figure out how to move forward. But I like to keep it very open I don't want to be judgmental either. I mean, there's certain things where you're like, okay, you get a read on someone and you're like, "Mm, okay, maybe it's not, maybe I'm not totally safe right now. I used to feel that way a lot more when I was younger because I started reading, I started reading tarot at a bar when I was 20. And that's how I started uh, this kind of professional tarot uh, experience. So... I you know I I think being being younger sometimes people seek you out as an easy target um, and yeah. I definitely don't have that as much anymore but any any younger readers out there I would just say be be careful
0: this brings us to the portion of the show called fuck you pay me
1: <laughs> yeah fuck you pay me
0: Yeah, yeah. And you were telling me that magicians get paid much more than psychics at parties and events. And I did not know that. And I actually did some research to see what, like, mentalists are getting paid. Because mm-hmm. I've worked a few in, in, in combination with those people. Yeah. And they are paid so much more than us. I know.
1: Why? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's because... Uh, so a, a lot of a lot of the info that that I learn is through conversation um, but someone told me at a party like pulled me aside and said, "Hey, you know that you know this the people who hired you they hired a, a mentalist last time and they paid twelve hundred dollars for an hour with this guy like wow and and he wanted to charge them eighteen hundred dollars this time and they said no and then started looking and realized tarot readers were cheaper
0: oh yeah my rates are going up after this year yeah
1: good yeah because that kind of work you should be paid more
0: Really, like three hundred dollars is not enough when it costs you like losing your voice and not really being able to work the following day, because right. that happens a lot of the time at these events.
1: Right. Totally. Totally. And especially if you're out late to trying to figure out your way home. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to raise your rates this year,
0: I understand because it took me like six years, seven years to get here. But oh. at least, at least make them pay for your Uber home. Yeah. At least, but they should be paying for transportation both ways. Make that a part of your contract. Yeah. If you don't have a contract, write one up. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Probably in costume, at least a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it, you don't need to be drawing attention to yourself at midnight to 4 a.m. in the morning on the train, you know?
1: Yeah. You're right. Yeah. One of the great parts about living in New York, I will say, is that people are out all the time and I don't feel as unsafe as I did in Chicago, where it's like 20 degrees colder, (laughs) and less people out, and people don't dress as flashy and, and don't really talk flashy. In public, everyone's just kind of minding their own business.
0: Yeah. So. But it really what it comes down to at the end of the day is your value and yeah. you are worth being paid for your your transportation is worth paying for in order to get you securely to the event and then securely home again. Oh, totally. And it's about your value, you know? You were talking about people who charge ticket prices but don't pay readers. Mm-hmm. Um and then tabling fees, what you had brought up before. Talk about that. Let's talk about people who don't even promote their events and then expect you to pay a high table fee. What? I learned about that early on. I was like, negative. This is not happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I'm I'm still kind of early on. So I I'm and I still get requests for Um, these kind of events where it's, it's like, pay me $200 and you get to set up at this venue for the weekend. And it's kind of like, well, what if no one comes? And I haven't heard of this event before. So are other people going to hear about this? And it's it's kind of like the people who are organizing it have no stake in the game. You're they're making money off of you. Mm-hmm. And they're hoping that you draw people and it becomes this kind of clout game. And there are some vendor there are some places that I worked for tabling that that I love. I have a a, a great relationship with them. Um But there are some people who are are not doing this in a way that is, uh, very kind to artists. And it's pretty apparent that some people just want to make money off of artists and they know that artists will pay, uh, you know, a couple hundred dollars to be a part of something like, um, you know, an art walk, uh, or, a market. Yeah. Mark markets are, yeah. Markets are kind of the, the main thing. Um, but yeah, I I think that it's, it's really difficult because when you're starting out or when you're new to a city, you know, that people are going to figure out who you are, not based on what you're doing, I guess you can't, you can go through the internet, but if you're doing something that's kind of high, high touch and, um, you know, your, your craft is about interacting with people, then you have to kind of go out and interact with people in order to, to build clientele. you just kind of have to. So I do think that it's good to do event work, but just being careful about how much am I investing in this and how much, the people who I'm working with investing in this. It's
0: really funny that you said that. And I'm going to like this. I'm a little bit shocked that you said that new people are going to figure things out as they go. It's crazy that you said that because um, I started following you. I don't even know how long ago, a, a while, a long time ago. And when I saw that you were working at a specific venue, there were so many things I wanted to say and like, quote unquote, warn you about. But then I was like, that's not my place. And I actually had my astrologer pull a horary chart for me. And wow, I had no idea. So um, I had my astrologer pull this chart. And the question was, should I go out on a limb and tell this person what they you know, we'll probably realize at some point anyway. And uh, the, the chart said no, that it wouldn't be received properly. But it's so crazy. It said literally, like, they'll figure it out as they go. And this is something they need to learn on their own. And then we started our discussion a few months ago when you posted something about pay- being paid and being valued. I was still, like, steaming over this one venue because you spend $100 on the costume. And that's, you know, that's like, barely what they're giving you. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the night, you're not making as much money as people think you are. And like, that is another qualification, in my opinion, of not paying your performers.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. It's kind of like, you should feel lucky that we chose you out of all of the other readers there's kind of this there's a power play that comes with this right
0: absolutely yes there's a lot of pressure about appearance in those venues too so you were talking before about uh the pressure to look and present femme all the time
1: yeah yeah because i'm i'm totally not like i can turn it on and i do turn it on uh because i'm i do this type of work but i'm I like jeans. I like t-shirts. I like biking around. You know, wearing flashy dresses—you can't really wearing a lot of makeup. It's hard. To, it's hard to bike with, with that kind of look. So, uh, I, I and I, I do. I have gotten better about fashioning an appearance that feels authentic to me, but is also it also looks nice. Like, it, it, I think it, it's good to look professional but you don't have to do that do it in this kind of high femme um look but that that's kind of what's popular right now and that's what people expect in in readers oh you are a younger woman and um you know if you can like play to that so you can draw people in uh there, there is kind of this uh playing to um playing to a, a gaze, um, that, like a male gaze uh, in particular. And I, w- I will say also a female gaze, there's just like a lot of pressure to kind of put on a, a certain look. And it costs a lot of money to wear the most fashionable clothes possible um, and stick to makeup trends. It's kind of, and I think Instagram kind of perpetuates this too that we had to have to stick to beauty standards if we want to be seen and heard, and we have to be showy, we have to be flashy, we have to have sex appeal. And uh, sometimes I, I don't know if sex appeal is tied up in the tarot work. And uh, but I think that there has to be, it seems like when you're younger, sometimes that be, that seems more of an issue for younger readers, like older readers who are established who people are, are coming to because you know they've been reading for a long time. Um, I I think that they probably uh, deal with this less, but also still deal with it too. Um, but there is a lot of pressure to look a certain way and kind of exude a certain sex sex appeal. So if you're someone who is more gender fluid, uh, then sometimes. Sometimes I, I think it's it's particularly difficult uh, to cater to the the femme look, especially if you you want to wear you know slacks and a button down. And I, I think that's okay. Like you can wear slacks and a button down, just to kind of give you an example. <laughs> uh, so I worked an event a couple weeks ago and just wore a really simple. Quarter sleeve black dress, kind of a frock, and combat boots, and went to this restaurant. It was a corporate party. It was it was awful. The party was really sparse. There weren't a lot of people there. I found out that the company laid off half of their staff before their holiday party. Oh my god! So it was tense, and people were just drinking and and I I was giving readings. The DJ was very loud for not a lot of people being there, maybe like 25 people. Um, and I was kind of yelling over, over the DJ. And all of a sudden, the music cuts out. I hear a drummer and a belly dancer comes out. And a few minutes like the belly dancer keeps looking at me and we keep making eye contact and I'm like oh what is, what's going on here and then I realized she wanted me to dance with her I'm wearing I'm wearing this like plain black dress and combat boots like I'm not prepared for this at all and the the owner of the restaurant did not prepare this for me at all I like gave them a deep discount like half my rate because it was like a Monday night or something like that, where I was like, "I'm not going to be working this anyway, so whatever. I could use some extra cash right now." So I took the event, but I did not realize that it was expected uh, that I I dress in a certain costume. He asked if I could wear a headpiece, like a headscarf, oh, and boy. I was like, "No, no, no. I don't. I don't do that. Uh, that's cultural appropriation, and I can't do that." He was like, "Okay, okay, fine. Um, you know, just just come, like, look nice." And I was like, "Fine." Um, so I'm I'm thinking, okay, I, everything's, I, I can, I can do this. It's okay. But I didn't realize that there was like an expectation for me to be uh, a performer in, in that way, like, a no. and I think that that's also a very New York thing. There's kind of this um, expectation that you can kind of fill uh, a, f- a few different needs. If you're in the party space, I see this a lot online. Like if you look at Uh, people who are being hired by entertainment companies, there are a lot of people who are tarot readers, and they're also clowns, and they're also dancers, you know, so (laughs) there's kind of this misconception that, oh, if you're a tarot reader, then, oh, you're also uh, some kind of other performer, like you're a performer, Uh, but it's like, no, no, I'm actually a tarot reader. (laughs) Wait, so how did you deal with this in the moment? Um, I, I danced with the the belly dancer I just no (laughs) I did it but like the belly dancer was dancing with the other she was kind of encouraging everyone to dance um at the corporate parties so it wasn't I was just kind of dancing like I was just I was I was along with the the corporate party I you know I just kind of swayed my hips a little bit and I think it was fine (laughs) but um yeah it was it was insanely awkward um and I think that the dancer was well intentioned. She's, was very nice and sweet, but I just like the, the venue did not tell me about this. And, and then they wanted to hire me again, which I thought was really funny because uh, the bar manager was giving me grief about um, my rate, which I think I quoted them at 80 an hour. <gasps> That's was, so low. I know, I know. And I was like, "How are you giving me grief about this?" He he didn't know how much he didn't know, and he also like wanted he wanted to test me out. And he was like, "Oh well, I read coffee, and like I don't believe in cards. I just, I, you know, coffee is superior." I'm like, "That's fine, but, <laughs> but fucking pay me." Okay. <laughs> So that was that that was that was something that would have gotten to me, uh, if I if that would have happened to me a couple years ago, I would have been dev- devastated. But it kind of just ended up being something funny that I could kind of brush off because I had better events that week. So, Callie, let's talk
0: about some of the other misconceptions that are common of our work.
1: Yeah, I. I, I think it's um, do you do palm readings? That's a huge one. Yeah, that uh, happens all the time. <laughs> well, I, I like when people put out their palms, and then you're like, I don't do that, and then they feel kind of embarrassed. But some people are like, What? What do you mean? And they don't <laughs> understand. Um, <laughs> like, oh, you're you're a tarot card reader. And It's like, yeah, I read cards i don't read what you can hear is me like tapping my cards kind of angrily yeah. right now on yeah. the um like reading palms uh astrology and tarot are are different things and i it's crazy to me that people don't understand the nuance and in, in this kind of work and in this space but a lot of people just don't know much about it have it studied it or yeah. looked into it at all because yeah, publications are scared about publishing about it. So I don't know.
0: That's one of those things that I feel like mainstream like this becoming more mainstream will help people understand there are literally millions of forms of divination that don't don't lean on one another. You know, they can be they're exclusively their their own exclusive practice, separate. <laughs> Right, and that, yeah. that is a that's a frustrating one. Um, do you ever uh, have problems with ageism, either from clients or potential like competition?
1: Oh, totally, totally. Uh, people saying, "Oh, you're so young, you're so young." I get that a lot. Uh, people telling me that I look like a teenager, which is fine. I'm in my twenties, but and I don't know if uh, just. People, people being condescending. Um, I, it seems to be happening less and less for me. And usually, I just say, you know, I've been reading since I was a kid. So, you know, between ten and fifteen years, I don't really know. Like, I've been yeah. reading since I was like in the fifth grade.
0: Your age is not your credibility. It's that's ridiculous. Just read my reviews. That's what I say now. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. What are some of the biggest boundaries you have to set with people? What what's some of one of the things that you have to um, really enforce with people?
1: I think time. So having a timer and saying, "Oops, looks like uh, our sessions over." Here's my business card. Uh, also doing that with with venues and saying, "Our time's up. Looks like we have to go." And if you want to, if you want me to read longer then you know, this is my fee and being able to tell people before you get to the venue, like if you want to hire me for an extra hour, then it's going to be X amount. If you want to hire me for an extra 30 minutes, it's going to be this much. And that kind of lets people know that there's a hard cutoff, Uh, but it's really difficult at the end of the night to say sorry, readings are over because there's always someone who's like, oh, I really wanted a reading, but you have to cut it. And I would say that if you have time and you're feeling like there's enough energy left, uh, then I think it's okay to do quick one-card pulls for people sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, But also that can make people feel a little testy, like they got cheated out of something. So I think it's good to just cut it off and say, I'm done. If you want to hire me for an extra 30 minutes or an extra hour. Awesome. Uh, but if not, this is the time I'm, then I'm, I'm finished at this time. Really good advice. So, uh, how can people book with you? So I have a website and I have a booking tool. It's just my full name, Callie Uh, you can also email me at extraordinarytarot@gmail.com at gmail.com too
0: and uh you mentioned that you read you have a venue you read at once a month how can people find out the secret address
1: so if you just message me on instagram so my instagram's extraordinary tarot Just go ahead and dm me and we can set up a time i usually keep my rates pretty accessible in in this kind of bar setting so you know you expect to like 20 to 30 dollars for about a 15 20 minute reading.
0: Yeah, so thank you so much, Callie, for being on the show today. I had a really good time with you, and unfortunately, we didn't even get to talk about half of the stuff that we wanted to in the time that we had. I know but we'll get to it next time. Okay, <laughs> sounds
1: good. Thank you so much. Yeah, Steamistic witches. Stay mystic, witches.
0: Be sure to subscribe to Mystic Witch on any of your favorite platforms. And you can show your support by contributing monthly at anchor.fm or on our Patreon page. Follow us on social media to hear exclusive audio clips from our guests at Mystic Witch Podcast.